This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. We are back to do some board review questions. Um, this is a new week. I think we need to inform the audience, Daphna, of what the holiday schedule will look like. That's a good idea. Right? Yeah. Um, because I think there will be one week where we will, like maybe, actually maybe even more than a week, where um, we will take a bit of time off. So we're taking some time off from the main podcast. Um, while the main podcast has a lot of episodes already scheduled, so it's it's not going to affect the release. But for the board review, we may um, have a little bit of a gap. So this... Um, so this uh, this series of questions is airing starting Monday, December 18. So we'll have questions all week this week. Uh, next week is Christmas, so we will be off. And as we roll into January, um, uh, Monday, Tuesday is like the new year. So our first new set of questions will come in, um, I believe, on the 8th. Am I saying this right, Daphna? Okay, we'll be on the 8th of January. So. Um, so yeah, so, so stay tuned for that, and then. But we'll be we back. have plenty of old content, and all you know, all our subscribers have access to all of the the years now <laughs> of content we have. Yeah, for sure. You're absolutely right to mention that. Um, so there's uh, always opportunities to review. All right, that being out of the way, we are doing what? Uh, what kind of questions are we doing today, Daphne? Cardiology. Ooh, your uh, favorite. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, do, do you want to, you, you get us started. Okay. I'm going to get you started, but this is actually my tip of the week. <laughs> like for example, cardiology is one of my least favorite sections and that we have a tendency to put off our least favorite sections, but I would encourage people to do their least favorite sections early. Uh, even knowing you may have to return to them later, but that second pass will be much easier if you've visited your least favorite section early. So that's She's my not tip. Wrong. That's my tip. She's not wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, you ready? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right. This is, uh, we're starting with cardiology question 51. A pediatrician is rounding in the newborn nursery. She notices that a term infant delivered one hour ago appears cyanotic. The newborn's oxygen saturation in the right hand is 65%. The oximetry probe on the right foot reads 75%. With administration of 100% FiO2 oxygen, the right hand saturation does not improve. The oxygen saturation in the right, uh, sorry, in the foot improves to 85%. The most likely diagnosis of the infant in this vignette is A, D, transposition of the great arteries. B, Epstein's anomaly. C, hypoplastic left heart syndrome. D, persistent pulmonary hypertension. Or E, tetralogy of Fallot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this differential, um, this differential in SATs between the preductal and the postductal, I think that's what they're trying to really highlight. So the saturation in the right hand would be your preductal. Um, and so it's 65 and your postductal in the foot reads 75. So preductal being lower than 
the postdoctoral. Um, I think that that number one uh, of all the answer choices we are looking at is cyanotic congenital heart disease. So maybe tetralogy, maybe uh, transposition. But I think this differential really points at uh, transposition of the great arteries, especially considering that when they give 100%, they're not really fully able to recover the oxygen saturation. And it sort of shows this this uh, this mixing. So um, yeah, I'm going to say A, transposition of the great arteries. That's correct. So when there is shunting across the ductus arteriosus, which this is the first day of life, so we would expect it to still be patent, the newborn can experience two types of differential cyanosis between preductal, so that right hand, and postductal saturations on the foot. The most common type of differential cyanosis occurs when the oxygen saturation in the right hand is greater than either foot. This can be seen in persistent pulmonary hypertension with a patent ductus arteriosus. However, reverse differential cyanosis, as seen in this vignette, can occur when the oxygen saturation is lower in the right hand than in either foot. This is observed in newborns with detransposition of the great arteries and a patent ductus arteriosus and likely elevated pulmonary vascular resistance. As a reminder, detransposition of the great arteries occurs when the aorta arises from the right ventricle and the pulmonary artery arises from the left ventricle. The systemic and pulmonary circulations function in parallel rather than in series, and the deoxygenated systemic venous blood that returns to the heart enters the right ventricle and is pumped back out to the body. In order for the infant to survive, communications between the systemic and pulmonary circuits must exist on one or more levels. So this is a D transposition. We talked about an L transposition last week, the last set, but why? (laughs) Um, But we did talk about L transposition, um, which is your congenitally corrected transposition. Um, So those babies will have different clinical features. I think uh, you were right when you were working through this question. This is a baby in the first day of life uh, presenting with cyanosis, really without, you know, we didn't have hear anything about respiratory distress. should always make you think of cardiac problems and um, it should make you think of the five cyanotic congenital heart diseases. So I like to remember them um, by their numbers. Uh, truncus uh, arteriosus. Um, so that's the first one. They share a trunk. Uh, transposition of the great arteries, I think of as the second one because the two great vessels are swapped. Tricuspid uh, atresia. So tricuspid is number three. Uh, tetralogy of number of uh, tetralogy of Fallot is number four. And total anomalous pulmonary venous return, number five five words for that cyanotic heart disease. Yeah, I think uh, it's important to remember that transposition of the great uh, vessels, the great arteries, um, more common in males to a significant degree, three to one. And um, and that the LTGA that you were mentioning that we did speak about um, is extre- exceedingly rare. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes we have to remember how the boards are really trying to get us to uh, not fall for the zebras, try to remember what's what's more likely. And so obviously, um, the L versus DTGA are not uh, occurring in equal uh, rates uh, in the population. So just be careful about that. Um, yeah, no, I don't have anything else to add. Are you ready for your next question? I guess so. 
All right, Daphna, you have a term infant that presents with tachypnea at 24 hours of life. Pretty standard common stuff. On examination, there's a systolic murmur that is heard at the left sternal border. The infant's pulses are brisk. You hear a bruit above the anterior fontanelle. Mm. I mean, people. Good that for is, you. That is a good. <laughs> that's what I always do. I check the heart and then I listen for a bruit at the anterior fontanelle. The infant has hepatomegaly. The infant's chest radiograph reveals cardiomegaly. Uh, the most likely test you would like to help establish the correct diagnosis in this infant is. Uh, choice A, chemistry panel. Choice B, echocardiogram. Choice C, head ultrasound. Choice D, karyotype. And choice E, newborn metabolic screen. You know, it's not that straightforward, actually. No, I think I think if you were in the middle of the test, you could convince yourself of almost all of these answer choices, truthfully. I mean, the echo. Yeah, right. It's like, well, echo. Right. But I, I, I mean, the brewy and the hepatomegaly, I may think, is they want us to think AVM. So if you hear a brewy over the fontanelle, <laughs> AVM people, just go yeah. for it. Like, come on. Yeah. So yeah. I think they're looking for a head ultrasound, though it sounds like the kid needs a liver ultrasound also. <laughs> That's that post call, so she's ready to order stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so a brewery over the entire funnel can be appreciated in the setting of anemia, meningitis, and AVM, arteriovenous malformation. Now, due to the association with AVM, the infant in this vignette needs to be evaluated by a head ultrasound. In addition, if, uh, if the infant in the above uh, scenario has signs of congestive heart failure, which is why it's showing the uh, liver enlargement, congenital AVMs can also commonly present with congestive heart failure. Um, other presenting features of an AVM include brisk pulses, hepatomegaly, coagulopathy, anemia, portal hypertension, and high drops. While AVMs, uh, with AVMs, I'm sorry, the echocardiogram is structurally normal. The vein of Galen malformation is an example of an AVM that is commonly found in neonates and is the result of an arteriovenous shunting of blood from arterial feeders from the carotid in the midbrain to the vein of Galen. So yeah, good job. Thank you, thank you. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, your turn. This is cardiology question 53. This, I think this question is so clinically relevant. I love it when we get clinically relevant questions. The NICU team attends the delivery of an infant because of a non-reassuring fetal heart rate. The infant emerges without any respiratory effort, and the team initiates positive pressure ventilation. As the heart rate is below 60 minutes, chest compressions are initiated, and the neonatology fellow intubates the infant. Two doses of epinephrine are placed through an umbilical venous line. The infant's heart rate improves, and some respiratory effort is observed. The infant's APGAR score is 0 at 1, 1 at 5, and 6 at 10 minutes. The neonatology team is concerned about encephalopathy as the infant does not demonstrate any spontaneous movements. Thus, the infant is admitted to the NICU. Of note, the infant's admission blood pressure is low. The most likely cause for the low blood pressure in this infant is A, a patent ductus arteriosus, B, myocardial dysfunction, C, sepsis, or D, surfactant deficiency. They couldn't even think of an E to give you here. <laughs> it's very tricky. It's very tricky. Um, the most likely cause of low blood pressure in an infant that clearly has asphyxia, some form of asphyxia, That's looking right. like uh, up for a diagnosis of HIE. Um, 
Well, surfactant deficiency, I think, is probably not the correct answer. We know that surfactant gets deactivated in the context of hypoxic injury, but would that explain low blood pressure? Probably not. Um, the PDA, um, this early, probably not the answer either, I don't think, uh, especially considering that if you have HIE, then the PVR is uh, the PVR is probably quite high. Mm-hmm. So in any case, uh, you would see low blood pressure in baby in very ELBW infants who would have some form of left to right shunting. I don't, I don't know. This is definitely not that case. However, you got well, yourself in the weeds here. Fine, but I'm like I'm 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 trying to. Yeah, you're working it through. But the two that are concerning are myocardial dysfunction and sepsis. Totally agree. Now that's the question because a lot of the instances for um, HIE and these severe perinatal depression um, could be could be infection. Mm-hmm. Um, so could this baby have infection? In which case the blood pressure could be low. Uh, we also know that if you have HIE, you could have myocardial injury. So myocardial dysfunction could be good. Now um, they're asking uh, the most likely cause. Mm-hmm. Would it be sepsis or myocardial dysfunction? I don't know. I don't have enough uh, maternal history here. Non-reassuring fetal heart rate. That's not good enough. Is there? I wish there was like an abruption or something that I could say, okay, mm. there's something. Because if there's an abruption, then I think maybe less sepsis and I think myocardial sure. dysfunction. If there's nothing mentioned, I'm thinking maybe could it be sepsis? I'm going to say sepsis. We'll see what happens. I'm uh, in a playful mood today. I think I think you did a very good job of narrowing it down to the top two choices. The correct answer is myocardial dysfunction. Um, I I think we underestimate how much myocardial dysfunction we actually see in babies with um, HIE. You know, most of them have bumps in their cardiac enzymes. Um, it's a it's a great reason to get an echocardiogram in a in a baby with HIE, but um, the the response here is it is not uncommon for infants with HIE to to exhibit hypotension. The hypotension is most commonly related to a drop in cardiac output due to myocardial dysfunction followed by endothelial cell damage. The hypotension associated with hypoxic ischemic injury should be treated to avoid further cerebral injury and maintain a state of physiologic homeostasis. So that's not to say that you can't see uh, hypotension think, related to sepsis I think in it, this picture. It would have but... been probably. So I think my feedback then would be that in this type of question, maybe the answer should have been, my answer could have potentially been more um, valid, maybe not correct, but more valid if it had said septic shock. Maybe sepsis mm. versus septic shock is mm-hmm. something that could be different. Sure. Sepsis in and of itself, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, okay. So it is what it is. Yeah, I think I think the point is is that we should really anticipate myocardial dysfunction in these babies um, with asphyxia. Um, we do, we don't always see it, which is great, but we should anticipate. It is what it is. All right, mm-hmm. Dana. Thank you for these questions. I will see one. you tomorrow. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.